Well, it is good to see you all this morning. Good to have you here. If you're online with us, glad you could join us as well. Glad you all are in-house with us today as well. We've been going through a series called Discovering the Disciples' Path. We're looking at specifically the area of toiling in our task, which means serving. As we are disciples, that's one of the things we do is we serve. And so today we're looking uh, at serve with gospel purpose. As I was thinking about uh, this particular topic, I couldn't help but to think about recently. A week ago yesterday, Angie and I uh, replaced our kitchen faucet. And you might be asking why, because um, uh, I tell you, it really wasn't something that we got up on that Saturday morning and decided, hey, I think we're going to replace our kitchen faucet today. Because it definitely was not something that I wanted to do. Uh, it was not something that I was comfortable doing at the task and a, and a bit unsure. But there was a purpose behind us preparing and replacing the kitchen faucet. And it was that the old one was leaking, so it had to be done. But I got to thinking about that as I'm working on today's message, is that we do most things because there is a purpose, Right? We do most things because there is a purpose. And so as we're thinking about being disciples, what is it about disciples that is our purpose? What is your purpose in serving the Lord? Now, we've seen some reasons why we're to serve the Lord as we've looked at over the past few weeks as we've been in the book of Ephesians. We've seen that we're to serve the Lord because of who we are in Christ Jesus, but also because of his greatness and because of his grace. But, but just we need to think again as to why do you serve? And that's assuming that you're serving. So why do you serve as a disciple? So disciples, believers in Jesus, let's serve in the church, but also as the church in the world. But we are to do so wherever we're serving, whenever we're serving, however we're serving, we're to serve with purpose. And the purpose is to be gospel purpose. Amen. Y'all with me this morning? Come on now. Speak to me today. Amen. Amen. With gospel purpose. All right. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. So if you would, in honor and reverence to the Word of God, if you're able, please stand as I read the Word this morning. If you're online with us, you are more than welcome to stand uh, with us as well today. Ephesians 3, verses 1 through 13, the Bible says this. For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery has made, was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men and other generations, as has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel... I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I'm the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. 
So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word this morning, and we pray that you would have your way in every heart and every life. If there are those here today, either in-house or online, who don't know Jesus as their Savior, Lord, may this be that hour of salvation to know indeed the unsearchable riches of Jesus. But also, Father, for those of us who do know you as Lord and Savior, may it be a time to stir our hearts to serve and to serve with a purpose, with a gospel purpose. And help us to walk through this passage of Scripture. May you enlighten us, O Lord, as to what he's saying here and what we need to understand about serving you. And so, Lord, we pray now that in all things you'd be glorified and may the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart, be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, if you were able to download the bulletin from the internet today, from the web, Facebook, or whatever, you know that there are four points today and one to do. You can also open that up in our NPPC Life app. And the first thing that we want to see here is that we are to serve with gospel purpose because, here's the first point, the gospel is working. Because the gospel is working. Paul just finished saying at the end of chapter 2 that through the cross that Jesus has reconciled them to God, that he's reconciled humanity to God, but more specifically reconciled the Jew and the Gentile believers of Ephesus, reconciled them to God, but also he has reconciled them to each other, if you remember that from last week. But now he says that they are not two, but they are one in Christ Jesus. As he comes now to chapter 3, he begins to offer a prayer or tell them about a prayer, and he runs what I call a Holy Spirit-inspired rabbit and about what God is or has been doing through the gospel. And what we've seen in this passage as we read it just a minute ago is that he talks about a mystery. Now, as he talks about this mystery, it's not a mystery like what you and I think about today when we hear somebody talking about a mystery, whether that is Agatha Agatha Christie or J.K. Rowling, whatever it may be. But the mystery that Paul is talking about here is a mystery that that which was hidden but has now been revealed. And there are certain aspects of the plan of God that had not been revealed but now was. And here he's talking about the church and specifically how the Jew and the Gentile are now together. This mystery of how they are now two becoming one, the church of Jesus Christ. And so let's look again at verses 1 through 3 and verse 6 and see what he says here. So for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming you've heard the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery has been made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. Then verse 6, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And so here we see here is that his plan that has, has now unfolded is the church. His plan, God's plan, was that both Jew and Gentile would be followers of Christ together. Amazing, miraculously, these two ends of the opposite extremes have now come together. God has worked a miracle so that they t- together are one people in Christ Jesus. And last week, if you remember... 
Paul talked about that in Christ, that they were one new people. Indeed, that they were fellow citizens. He's talking to the Gentiles, fellow citizens of God's kingdom, that they were now members of God's family, that they were a new building of God that was perfectly fit together, whether they were Jew or Gentile. And now in verse 6, he says that the Gentiles are are co-heirs and co-members of the same body and co-partners or sharers together in God's promises in Christ Jesus, that that this is what God has done in their lives. And here's the key words there in verse 6, through the gospel, that this has happened through the gospel, that God has worked in the lives of Gentiles, and he has opened this door of hope through the gospel. So preacher, you've been talking about the gospel a lot. We've heard a lot here, but just tell me, what, what is the gospel? What's the gospel? What's the gospel? You want to know what the gospel is? Well, let me tell you what the gospel is. The gospel is the good news. Amen? Gospel means good news. And the good news is the message of Jesus Christ crucified, buried, and risen from the dead. That our Savior lives. It's a message. The good news, the gospel, is the message of hope that Jesus saves. It's a message of hope for all who will receive it, whether you're Jew or whether you're Gentile. No matter who you are, no matter what your background, it is the good news that Jesus saves. It's the gospel. Amen? And so here's the thing. The gospel, as we see here, is working. The gospel is working because God is working. Paul has mentioned how God has been working in their lives in these first two chapters. If you remember, he reminds them that it's because of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that he says you've been changed and you've been transformed. You remember he said to them that you are set apart. You've been chosen and adopted as sons, that you've been saved, redeemed by the blood and forgiven of your sin, that you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit who's the guarantee of our inheritance in heaven because the gospel is working because God is working. He says you now have assurance of hope. You now have abundance in the rich in Christ. You now have the ability through immeasurable power, and he is your authority who rules and reigns over you because the gospel is working because God is working. He says, he told them in chapter 2 that your situation was pitiful, that you were dead in your trespasses and sins, but the solution was perfect because the Bible says, but God made you alive in Christ Jesus, and now you get to serve him because you're his workmanship for good works. We learn that the gospel is working because God is working. We learned last week that he, we remember that you were once hated and separated, alienated, isolated, and deflated, but now in Christ Jesus, you're the people of God. The two, the Jew and the Gentile, are one. And as believers, we find in verse 6 here that you are fellow heirs and members and partake, fellow members and fellow partakers of the promise in Jesus Christ. Why? Because the gospel is working because God is working. And so as disciples of Jesus Christ, friends, listen, we are to serve our Savior with gospel purpose because the gospel is is working just as it worked in the life of the Ephesians in the in the place of Ephesus beloved it is still at work in this area around us and in your world and the world all around us amen, amen. the gospel is working understand the gospel is working not not the gospel was working but the gospel is working why because god is still working he is still working 
The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, that he is able, not he was, he is, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to him since he always lives to make intercession for them. You see, he is still able because he is still working because he is still alive. Amen? You see, the gospel news, the good news is effective because the blood of Jesus is still effective. The, the good news is powerful because the grace of God is still powerful. The good news is working because God is working. You see, friends, our God is not dead. He is alive, and he is well, and he is still working. And so, therefore, the gospel is working. And so, we serve as disciples with gospel purpose because the gospel is working. Second thing we see here is that the gospel not only is working, but that the gospel needs a worker. Now, I hesitated to, to say the gospel needs a worker because it says that the gospel needs something. And I, I hesitate because... The gospel is about the good news of what God is doing, and God doesn't need anything. But yet, yet this is what God's plan is. This is God's avenue in which he uses to fulfill his plan. He uses workers. So God, the gospel needs a worker. So what happens is what we see here is that once we're saved, then we serve. So as a disciple, once you're saved, then you serve. Y'all with me this morning? Once you're saved, then you're served. So once we are saved, then we serve. Let's say that together. Once we are saved, then we serve. You got it. All right. Praise the Lord. And we serve for the glory of God. Why? To point people to Jesus. So as we serve with gospel purpose. In verse 7, we see what Paul says here. He says, of this gospel, I was made a minister. According to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. Of this gospel, I was made a minister. The word minister is the word in Greek, diakonos, which is where we get our word deacon. That means servant, a one who is serving. And so Paul had the task of serving or ministering the gospel. So Paul is saying that by God's grace, I was saved. And by God's grace and by God's power, then I was made a minister, a servant, one who serves with this gospel. You see, friends, here's the thing, is that this is the plan for not just the Apostle Paul, but this is the plan for all who are God's disciples. This is the, one, this is the plan for all who are born-again believers in Jesus Christ, all who are disciples of the Lord, that God saves people, and he calls us all as his disciples to serve, and he also gives us the power to serve by his grace. Now, granted, we're not all going to be the Apostle Paul. And we're not all going to have the same task like the Apostle Paul. But we all are given the task to serve somehow, some way, as God has gifted you. So he saves us and he strengthens us by his grace to advance the gospel. And so we see that, but we also see that the gospel needs a worker. Well, what kind of worker? Well, let's see what kind of worker that we see in the Apostle Paul here as we look again at verse 8. But I'm going to go back up to verse 7 and then come back into verse 8. Of this gospel, he says, I was made a minister, a servant, according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power to me. Though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles. 
He says, we see there in the Apostle Paul is that he says about himself that I'm the very least of all the saints, what literally means that I'm less than the least of all the saints. So we see here is we see a humble man who has been humbled by the grace of God. He knows who he, knows who he was and who he now is, and he attributes it all not to anything that he has done, but all to the grace of God working in his life. Amen? So he needs, so the gospel needs workers who are humble. Humble servants. So Paul would say here, I was a nobody, but God got a hold of my life, and he did a great work, and I'm not worthy of this work, but he is gracious. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 9 and 10, we read these words. Paul says these words. He says, for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But watch this, verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Beloved, that is all of our testimony. Amen? For those who are disciples of Jesus Christ, it's by the grace of God that we are what we are. It's by the grace of God that we've been saved. It's by the grace of God that he's called us to himself. It's by the grace of God that, we have, that we've been called to serve him as well. By the grace of God, I am what I am. I am nothing. I am nobody, but he got a hold of my life, and he is gracious to me, and he has called me to serve him as a servant with gospel purpose. He has changed us, and may it not be in vain. The grace was given to me, he says, to preach to the Gentiles. The gospel needs a worker. That was Paul, but disciple, listen, that's also you. That's you as well. He has called you to salvation. He has called you to serve, and he's called you to serve in the church, but he's also called you to serve as the church and in the world. Now, understand that as as we live that out as disciples, it takes courage and even a loss of comfort. But, beloved, we are empowered by God to serve as we have been saved. The gospel needs a worker, and as a disciple, that is you. Now, you may not preach like Paul, but through your life and your words, you are preaching something. Come on now. You may not preach like Paul, but as you live your life out and as you speak and as you are out in front of people and you have actions and reactions and interactions, you are preaching something. And as a disciple of Jesus Christ, friends, it needs to be Jesus. Preaching Jesus through your life and through your words. See, Jesus was the theme of Paul's life because he'd been saved by grace and his life was all about Jesus and the gospel. So the question for you today is, what's the theme of your life? What is the theme of your life? Serve with gospel purpose. Someone might say, well, well, who am I that God would use someone like me? Who am I that God would use somebody Like me. Well, if you ask a question, I'm going to tell you. So here it is. I'll tell you who you are. When you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you've been saved by his grace. You've been bought at a price. You're a child of God, and you're a born-again disciple, and you are a servant of the King. You've been called to serve by his grace and empowered by God to fulfill that calling. The gospel needs a worker. And disciple, that's you. Amen? Serve with gospel purpose because the gospel is working and also the gospel needs a worker. Here's the third one. Is it the gospel, serve with gospel purpose because the gospel is wonderful and it's full of wonder. The gospel 
is wonderful and it is full of wonder. So Paul's theme was Jesus. And so he is preaching and he's proclaiming the gospel, which is wonderful and it's full of wonder. And he can't help but to live that out and proclaim that to people. So serve with gospel purpose because the gospel is wonderful. Look at verse 8 again. To me, though I'm the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Hey, the gospel is wonderful because when a person comes to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, as we have lived that out in front of them and met people where they are and pointed them to Jesus and they hear the gospel and they hear about Jesus and they get saved, their hearts are changed and lives transformed, they come to know the unsearchable riches of Christ. The unsearchable riches. The The word unsearchable means inexhaustible. It means a mind whose treasures can never be fully explored. It means boundless, that there's no end to the riches in Christ Jesus. There is no end to the riches in Christ Jesus. It is the unsearchable riches in Christ. When we come to know him as Lord and Savior, there is this, we serve with this gospel purpose because the gospel is wonderful. That when someone comes to know Jesus as Savior, there is no end to the riches in Christ. Y'all with me this morning? Do you believe that today? There's no end to the riches in Christ Jesus. There's joy that is unspeakable. There's hope that will not disappoint. There's love that overflows. There's peace that passes all understanding. There's strength and the struggles that we will surely face. And all because we're delighting in his presence and we find the fulfillment of everything we're longing for in the person of Jesus Christ. He is the riches of Christ. He he has that for us as his disciples. The gospel is wonderful. So we serve with this gospel purpose because it's wonderful and it's full of wonder. Look at what Paul says in verse 9 and 10. He says, I'm to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, verse 9, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. And so what he's saying here is, look, is that when God works through the gospel, When he uses those who are disciples as the church, when God works through the gospel and the gospel is proclaimed, lived out, and people come to know the Lord Jesus, the gospel is full of wonder. That through the gospel, lives are changed. Amen? Through the gospel, lives are changed. Through the gospel, hearts and families are reconciled and transformed. Through the gospel, miracles occur where enemies like Jews and Gentiles, the miraculous thing takes place where they now become one. You see, what God is doing is full of wonder. That even those, the Bible tells us here, that even those in the heavenly places marvel as they see and learn of the beauty of what God is doing. That they marvel at the wisdom of what God has done. They learn of the beauty of God's wisdom and they marvel at what is taking place here. As he works in and through the church, the church makes known, the Bible says here, the church makes known the manifold wisdom of God. 
Now, the word manifold is a beautiful word. It means a, it gives the idea of one of many colors. It's like a, a kaleidoscope. You remember those kaleidoscopes you look through and you turn it and you see all these different colors and shapes? So that's the picture here is that the wisdom of God has this constant unfolding of beauty. That there's multiple levels of the beauty of the wisdom of God. So much so that as the church is being used by God to fulfill his plan, that the angels, those in the heavenly places, are still learning and seeing the wisdom of God, and it is blowing them away. It's a marvel to them at what God is doing even now in the life of the church. Beloved, we have a purpose, a gospel purpose, to serve with this gospel purpose because it is wonderful and it is full of wonder. And then we see in verse 11 and 12, it tells us this, that this was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So here is the, another part of the wonder of it all, is that we have access into the presence of holy God. Now, can you imagine the Jews of that day who knew to be in the access of God meant that, they, that only the high priest would get into the holy of holies. But now because of faith in Jesus Christ, now we have the boldness and access with confidence where we can come into the presence of holy God. You see, we tend to think that we can just stroll right into the presence of holy God, but that is not the case at all. We come into the presence of God not based upon our own merit, but what Jesus has done for us on the cross of Calvary. It's by his blood, by his righteousness that we're able to be holy, and so holy people can come now into the presence of holy God. Amen? Man, the wonder of it all. We come into the presence of holy God, even as sinful sinners, but who have been saved by his grace. You see, we serve with gospel purpose because the gospel is working, because the gospel needs a worker, and as a disciple, that's you, and because the gospel is wonderful and it's full of wonder. And then also we serve with gospel purpose, fourthly, because the gospel is worth it. The gospel is worth it. So in verses 1 and 2, in verse 13, again we read what Paul says this, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner... Of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming you've heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. Verse 13, so I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. So as we read these words, as Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, understand that Paul is literally a prisoner in chains. He's literally a prisoner in chains to the Romans. He is a prisoner, and yet he says, not that I'm a prisoner to the Romans, or I'm not a prisoner bound to a soldier, but I am a prisoner of Jesus Christ. So he doesn't consider himself to be a victim of his circumstances, but rather he considers himself to simply be a humble, obedient servant to his king, to whom he is bound and to whom he owes it all. So Paul here is in a tough situation, a difficult struggle, but he says, but as you see me, don't be discouraged at what I'm facing because it's for your glory. It's for your glory. So what does he mean by that? So what Paul is saying to the church at Ephesus, 
He says, as you are seeing my suffering, knowing that I'm suffering, but knowing that I am doing so willingly because I love the Lord Jesus and I have a heart for the gospel, as you see me suffering, understand that as you see this in me, then it will increase your faith in Jesus Christ. And as you see that in me and your faith is increased, then you're going to be more like Jesus. You're going to be more in love with Jesus. You're going to live for Jesus, and that is your glory. You see, following the Savior's plan, listen, disciple, we talk about serving, and we must. That's how we are created. That's God's plan. We are saved, and we served. But, say, but understand that sometimes serving involves suffering. I mean, Jesus told us that. They would involve suffering. But what Paul is saying here to the church and to us today, the Holy Spirit is saying to us today, is that it is worth it. Amen? It is worth it. You see, the suffering was not Paul's focus. His focus and his life's purpose was the mission of the king, King Jesus, and the glory of God. That the gospel was worth it to Paul. To be a servant of the gospel, to have gospel purpose in all things, it was worth it to Paul. For so, disciple, the question for you is, is it worth it to you? Is it worth it to you to be a serving disciple? Is the fact that God is working worth it to you? Is worth being a worker, is it worth being a worker in his kingdom? Is the wonder of what Jesus is able to do in the lives of others worth it to you? Or, as you are thinking about serving as the church and in the world, maybe you're asking questions like, well, I hear all that, Pastor, but what if I suffer? Or, or what if I'm uncomfortable? Or what if they unfriend me on Facebook? Or what if they don't respond well? Or what if I lose my job? Or what if this caused me to take on more than what I can handle? What if? So then maybe, maybe it's you're thinking about serving in the church and you're asking questions like, well, wait a minute, Pastor, but what if, what if I have to step away from my Sunday school class that I like? Or what if I have to work with children now? Or even better, what if I have to work with adults now? <laughs> or maybe what if I've never done this before? Beloved, here's the thing. As disciples of Jesus Christ, we need to get away from this thing of what if Amen? Get away from this thing of what if and start whatevering. Whatevering, wherever, however, whatever, whenever. That's how we're to be disciples of Jesus Christ. Our yes is to be on the table for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? We serve with gospel purpose. Disciple, the gospel is worth being a servant of his. We are to live it out. Live out being a disciple in the church and as the church in the world. Serve with gospel purpose because the gospel is working. The gospel needs a worker as a disciple. That's you. And, it's, and the gospel is wonderful. It's full of wonder. And it is worth it. Serve with gospel purpose. So here's the to-do. Number one, shift your thinking about serving. Knowing, know that your purpose, your purpose in life as a disciple of Jesus Christ is serving with a gospel purpose. This is your purpose. This is who we are to be, to serve with gospel purpose, that everything about you 
Everything that you do, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, is to have this gospel purpose that there's a good news that lives in and through you and that you're to point people, to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus. Amen? That's who we're to be, serve with gospel purpose. Let's go back to this, the kitchen sink that I was telling you about, the faucet that Angie and I put in. When we started on this kitchen faucet early on Saturday morning, I will tell you, it is not something that I wanted to do. Angie will tell you that for sure. And so uh, she told me what kind of faucet that she wanted, and she sent me to the store. And I talked to the fellow there uh, at the store and uh, then came home, and uh, I told her, I said, let me tell you something. I said, I know you don't want to do this, and I don't want to do this, but first thing we're going to do, we're going to pray. <laughs> so we're going to pray about this thing. Number one, I don't want anything happening that, you know, that goes wrong, and we have to call somebody to come and help unflood the house or whatever it may be. You just, we're going to pray about this. So we prayed uh, for the Lord to help us uh, get through the faucet and uh, put it in. And I only had to make one more trip back to the hardware store and back. Praise God for that. And it's been a week now, and the faucet is still working, and it is fine, and there's no leaks, and we sing hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, every time we turn it on. Amen? So what does that got to do with the gospel? Well, I tell you this, that when I went to the store the first time, I was talking to the fellow there. There's a nice gentleman there who was helping me learn something about faucets. And in the process of that conversation, I got to just talk to him about the Lord Jesus. You see, friends, you never know things that you might not want to do that you end up having to do that God can use for his glory. Amen. But we need to make it about our business that we're going to serve this Lord of ours who is alive and well with a purpose a gospel purpose, that no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, it's all about Jesus and pointing people to him. Amen? You see, I'm going to serve, and I hope that you'll serve because we love Jesus and because of the gospel, because the gospel's working, needs a worker. That's all of us as disciples. It's wonderful. It's full of wonder, and it is so worth it. Let me tell you what Charles Spurgeon said, and then I'll be done. Charles Spurgeon, old-time preacher, said in a sermon these words. He said, Every Christian here is either a missionary or an imposter. Every, let me say it again. Every Christian here is either a missionary or an imposter. You either try to spread abroad the kingdom of Christ or else you do not love him at all. It cannot be that there is a high appreciation of Jesus and a totally, have a totally silent tongue about him. You see, friends, every disciple... Every born-again believer serves as a missionary and testifies something through their life, actions, and words. Beloved, what does your life say to the people you come in contact with? What is your theme? What is your focus? What is your mission? What is your purpose? As a disciple, let me tell you what it's supposed to be. It's all about Jesus. It's the good news that must be revealed in me and by me to the world around me, in my family, in my workplace, where, where we play, where we shop, wherever we are. It's all about Jesus. And if you're following us online today and God has been dealing with your heart, we invite you to send us an email at info at mpbclife.com. We'd love to know how we can pray for you or pray with you. Just send us an email, and we'll be glad to do just that. For those of us who are in the house here today, I'm going to ask if you would just bow your heads with me this morning. And as we're gathered here, 
May we seek out the purpose in serving. May we understand afresh and anew this morning that our purpose is gospel purpose, that we're to serve with that purpose in mind. That's to be who we are. And so may we pray even now, Lord, may you have your way in all of our hearts. In this moment, Father, I pray that each of these people in this room, that all of us who are watching online or wherever we may be, Lord, I pray that as disciples of Jesus Christ, that we will have it about ourselves, that we are going to love you with all of our heart, and that it's going to be about the gospel and everything that we do. We're going to point people to Jesus as we meet them right where they are because we understand that you're at work. The gospel is working, that it needs a worker, and that's me as a disciple that the good news of Jesus is wonderful and it's full of wonder and the good news, the gospel, is so worth it. So Lord, help us to be missionaries wherever we are on every mission field where we set our foot throughout every moment of every day. May we say, this is the mission field that God has led me to and help me to be that missionary for the glory of God. Lord, if there are those here today who've never trusted you by faith, who've not mined the depths of the unsearchable riches of Christ, Lord, may they come to know you as they turn from sin and turn to Jesus, believing with all their heart that you're the Son of God who died for us on the cross and rose again bodily from the grave, that we put our faith, our trust in you and know that you redeem us, you reconcile us to our Creator, that you save us from our sin. Lord, whatever the case may be, may you work in every heart and every life today. And may we live this out each and every day. And one day we'll see you face to face in all of your glory. And we'll know then just how much it was worth it. We pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.